Jackson State's newly renovated quarterback room means two things, and also North Carolina A&T's women's basketball team is off to a blazing start. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives, which you can see right here at the bottom of the screen. But if you're on the audio side of things, don't forget the S on the end is South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. I think it's pretty simple, right? But I want to talk about Jackson State because Jackson State's newly renovated quarterback room, it means two things. And Jason Brown is the headliner of this group, but it means two things. It means one, they likely want to air it out. And then two, the people who were in the room before this were not the answer, or at least there is no confidence that any of them could have been the answer. And that's what it means. I'll start off with the first part. They want to air it out. You don't invest this deeply into your quarterback position unless you likely want to air the ball out. If you were comfortable just being a ground and pound team with Sevion Wilkerson, I don't think you go this hard in trying to fill your quarterback room. They went through one, two, three, four players. You're looking at four quarterbacks who have been brought in in this quarterback class or in this recruiting class. That's a large investment for a position that's going to be primarily handing the ball off. And I'll admit, you need a quarterback and you need a quarterback who's going to make plays. So maybe that doesn't 100% guarantee the fact they're going to sling it. But if one of these guys is good, I mix that with the fact that TC is a former wide receiver. So Coach T.C. Taylor being a former wide receiver, him investing heavily into the quarterback position, I won't say 100, but I'll say 87% sure. I'm about 87% sure that this means they want to sling the rock. And that's good because that's what they did well last year, and it, it just kind of follows a blueprint to me. But then you look at the guys who were in the class or in that room, why weren't they the answer? Let's go through who was in this room, because to me, if you invest this much, if you get four quarterbacks in a single recruiting cycle, it hasn't even entered uh, the actual signing day yet. We're just talking about early signing day and transfer guys right now at the top of the year. You do all of this. Those guys were not the answer. And it's not like a new coach coming in where, okay, Shador is gone. We understand that Shador is gone and somebody from the outside comes in. It's like, well, I got to find my quarterback. T.C. Taylor was in the practices. He saw these guys throw. He knows what they're capable of. To me, it tells me he wasn't impressed. Y'all look up the GSP uh, clip. I'm not impressed with your performance. That's what I feel like. I feel like Coach T.C. Taylor walked into the room with all of the quarterbacks who were still there and said, I'm not impressed with your performance. And he said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get me some new guys who I think could fit my vision because I don't think you do. Let's go through each one of these guys who were in, the, in uh, last year's roster at the quarterback position. Shador Sanders, he went with his dad to Colorado. Okay. Peanut Daniels, transferred recently. J.P. Andrade, transferred recently. 
Matthew Riccardi uh, or Ricciardi Vital, he entered the portal a while ago. And you look at Grayson Thompson. He's the only one I haven't heard anything about. I went to all of these guys' Twitter. Peanut, Andrade, both of them transferred out on January 5th. These are recent transfers. That's important. I don't want to rule out Thompson, by the way. I just don't think they have any confidence. He could still be the guy, but I don't think they have the confidence. And that's why they went and got so many other quarterbacks. Just, just to be clear, there's a little bit difference. I'm not saying he's not the guy, but I can for sure tell you I don't think they believe he's the guy. Which makes sense. He didn't play, right? Like, it doesn't make sense to put all your eggs in one basket. But I feel like there's more eggs in the in the, in the the transfer portal basket than it is Thompson. And that just, that says something to me. That says something to me. But you look at Douglas, Peanut Douglas. You look at J.P. Andrade. They recently transferred. I heard noise about Jackson State being interested in Jason Brown, who we'll talk about in a second. I heard noise about them wanting him before those two players actually transferred. And before that even happened, you had two more guys during early signing day, one commit, one signed. So I don't want to hear that, well, the quarterback room became empty and that's why they had to restock it. No, it's, it's the flip. They restocked that quarterback room and the guys who were already in there decided to evacuate the premises. That's what happened. That's what the timetable tells me. You can feel how you want to feel about those players. I, this is not an indictment on the players. But simply put, they brought in new players while the old players were still there, or at least started making noise about getting some new players while the old players were still there. And a day before Jason Brown decides to say, I'm coming to Jackson State, they enter the transfer portal. That doesn't sound like a school who saw they had no resources, like literal empty bucket. It sounds like a school who saw resources and said, that's not exactly what I want. Those are two different things, two different situations, and should be treated and talked about differently. Now, let's talk about the guys who are actually going to be there now because we went through all the last year's players and almost every single one of them is gone. So let's talk about the new additions. It's highlighted by Jason Brown. He's the guy who comes in with the biggest schools attached to him, the most fanfare, the one that made everybody say, ooh, right? Because he is a former South Carolina quarterback, University of South Carolina. He's a former Virginia Tech quarterback. And we've seen him play very sparingly at Virginia Tech, but that South Carolina year, that's the year that you really want from him. He started the last four games or the last three games and then the bowl game happened. But you're looking at a guy who when he started and he played the full games, he knocked off Florida. He knocked off Auburn. His offense never had less than 21 points. These were good performances by him. And if you can get that version of Jason Brown, oh, you're happy. You're really happy. And you might have some really good quarterback play going into the next year. Let's look at the other guys. Because that's the year he really played. That's the year that I want to really grab onto because I think that's the year that you can pick the most from. Now, let's look at the rest of the guys. You look at that Zion McDaniel who just came in from Louisiana, University of Louisiana, which is still freaking weird to me. That's ooh-la-la to me forever. But technically, they're in Louisiana. When somebody changes their name, you respect the name change. So, University of Louisiana. He ain't play. Red shirt his freshman year. Didn't throw a pass the second year. So he's kind of a wild card. He's a guy who you're not really sure what you're going to get from on the collegiate level because you just haven't. He's been in school for two years. So it's not a one year and he's transferred type of deal. It's two years. You're not quite sure what you're going to get from him. He's a wild card. I can't say anything good. I can't say anything bad. I can't say he was a pretty good dual threat quarterback in high school where he had over 100 uh, touchdowns through the air and he had 25 touchdowns on the ground. I, I will say that. But as far as college, who knows? Then you go to Phillips Short 
who's a Juku, Juku. <laughs> he's a Juco transfer, who I think there is a little bit of hype around. In short, had some of the best per game passing numbers in the Juco ranks this year. He's a Mississippi kid, played college ball in Mississippi at a, uh, at a community college. He was a Mississippi Offensive Player of the Year in 2019 in high school. So this guy is familiar with the area. And then finally, you end with Preston Hatter, who's coming in as a freshman. And I think his role is a little bit different because he's the only player of this bunch who's coming in with all of his eligibility. I'm not going to say I'd be shocked if he didn't redshirt, but that is my expectation for him because he's a freshman. Everybody else is a little bit older. Everybody else is coming in from a transfer, right? You had two players who came in, or excuse me, you have a Juco player who came in with two years. You have a guy from Louisiana who came in with two years, but he has a red shirt. So like Jason Brown, he's been around the block. He's like a wily veteran of the group now at this point. But then you have Hatter who's coming in as a high school senior going to be a college freshman a true freshman the only true freshman of the bunch unless he shows that he's the guy it wouldn't be shocking to see him be a, a red shirt and just soak in all of the knowledge I, I mean that's logical you use the youth to your advantage if he's not the guy don't be surprised to see him red shirt that's kind of what i would even expect from him and going forward we're going to be talking about north carolina and women's basketball because they have been hooping when i tell you North Carolina ANC, they've had such a hot start. Matter of fact, let me not even get ahead of myself. But they have been blazing at the beginning of their first year in the CAA. And we'll discuss it going forward with Locked On HBCU. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. The number one protein bar on the market, bar none. The Swiss Army Knife of Protein Bars, now available at Walmart, at Sam's Club. Go get you some. Some people don't want to wait. And I'll tell you what, the people who don't want to wait nine times out of 10 are people who have already tried it. Once you get your first taste of a Built Bar, I don't care what flavor it is. I don't care. I don't really care what kind it is. Once you have your first taste, you'll understand why people say, I cannot order these. I got to go get them right now. It's just that simple because they are delicious. They're covered in chocolate. They're full of protein. They're full of flavor. It's not so frequent that you see health and taste go side and side in the way that they do. And they also have the Built Puff. That is a marshmallow covered in chocolate and filled with protein. My mind has been trying to wrap my, wrap itself around how this is possible for at least a year at this point. I still haven't figured it out, but I know that it is. So go ahead and get you some at Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your offer. That's right. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, check out Locked on College Basketball for everything you need and you want in one place. Wherever you get your podcast, you can check them out, and it's everything you need to know about college basketball. So go ahead and check them out. Now, I want to talk about North Carolina A&T Women's Basketball. It just so happens the first two days that we do this read I spin it into basketball right after, but we're talking about North Carolina ANC because in their first year in the CAA, they've been dominant through the first four games. I know it's only four games, but they've had a really good start to the year, and I think it deserves to be highlighted because there's only two undefeated teams in CAA women's basketball play this year. Drexel and North Carolina ANC. It's no coincidence. You go look at the team stats. They're right there, one and two. North Carolina ANC is the number one offense. Drexel is the number two offense. Then you just flip them. It's vice versa for the defense. Drexel at one, North Carolina A&T at two. This is the team. Matter of fact, they're the only two teams that rank top five in both stats. There's no other team that's top five in offense and top five in defense other than those two guys or those two ladies. 
So that just shows how dominant they are. These teams only face off one time this year, and it's the literal last game of the season, right before the tournament. So, I mean, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, maybe if they're both undefeated at that time, it's like, ooh, who's going to get the number one seed? But right now, these are the two teams who have been leading things. But we're not talking about Drexel. Because like I said, they don't play until the last game of the season. So I'm not building into that matchup. We're just highlighting how dominant North Carolina A&T has been. And I want to start off defensively because I know I said they're number two in defense, but maybe that's not enough for you. Maybe just knowing where they rank within the conference doesn't really do that any justice. Maybe it doesn't convince you of how good they've been. Let me tell you, of their three of, of their 10 wins, only three have been single digit victories. Only one of those has came in CAA play, and that was against Charleston. Other than that, let me tell you the margin of victory in the CAA. 17, 8, 16, 9. In the four games, they won by 17, 8, 16, 19. This is a dominant team. They're not just winning. They're dominating. They're beating teams by 30 points, 40 points, keeping people well underneath their, their season average because, you know, they're not that great of a team. Hofstra's not that great of an offense. Okay, I'll give you that. But Hofstra's getting more than 44 points a game. Hofstra might not be the greatest offense in the CAA, but how many teams are holding Hofstra to less than 50, holding them to 44 points? Every team that North Carolina ANC has faced has scored well below their season average. And mind you, their season average is brought down by that. So I wonder what their average per, or their average per game would be if they hadn't faced North Carolina ANC. That takes a lot of research, and maybe I will. Maybe I will look it up, but it won't be for this podcast. I might show it up on, on Twitter because they do have a break between their next game. They don't play again until Saturday, I believe. It's either Saturday or Sunday. They don't play until this weekend. So I might take a little bit of time after this uh, after this TCU game, this TCU-Georgia game, to look that up. But one way that they've been able to do it is they've been very proficient at blocking shots. They've been very proficient at getting steals. And even when they do allow shots to go up, they ain't making, you know, the opponent's not making much. So, yes, you have to play good defense. You have to play good on-ball defense and be able to contest shots. I 100% understand that. But at the same time, maybe I just don't want to let them get a shot up. And if I'm good at all of that, I can block your shot when you do get it up, drop your percentage. I can stop you from being able to get good looks, drop your percentage. Or I can steal and just allow your possession to end without a, a shot attempt at all. All of these things are going to contribute to low point totals. And that's exactly what they do. They've been shown to do that. Now, offensively, they don't shoot much from the three-point. That's not really a big part of their game. It's not something they implement. It's not something they do great. It's not something they do bad. They're middle of the pack in everything. Middle of the pack in attempts. Middle of the pack in makes. Middle of the pack, middle of the pack in percentage. It's just not a huge part of their game. So it's not even something that I will criticize and be like, oh, y'all don't do that well because they don't do it poorly. They just don't do it great. And the reason they don't do it much is because their leading scorer is their center, Jasmine Harris. And if your leading scorer is your center, how many times are you really taking a lot of threes? Let's just really be honest. If my leading scorer is my big, my center to be specific, why would I have so many threes? You know, you look at Jasmine Harris, and she scored 16 or more points in eight of the last nine games that she played. Not one time has she attempted a three. Not one time have I seen her take a three. Why would she? She's dominating in the paint. As an as a individual, you have two scorers who are actually top 10 in the conference in scoring. Jasmine Harris is the highest of the bunch, of course. But then you look at Malia Barcone, and that's when you see the, the harmony. That's when you see the pairing. 
So yes, Harris is dominant inside, not taking a single three. But then you look at Barcon, and she is the leading three-pointer or three-point specialist on this team. And she's also the second leading scorer. So it's that pairing. It's the balance. Yes, in today's NBA, in today's basketball period, excuse me, you're not going to have just all paint dominance. You got to shoot some threes. But that's what you got her for. And you got your, your leading scorer to dominate inside. So that's what I love about the two. You look at... You look at just Harris and her offensive presence. I've talked about that. But then, of course, as the center, she's the leading blocker in the league or in, 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 the, in the team, on the team. This is just a perfect pairing for them, and they've been extremely hot. We'll see what they're going to do going forward. If there was one thing that I just had to pick at, if I just like, hey, you know what, get better at that. Because, you know, that's how they teach us, right? Oh, you're great, great, great. But, you know, this one thing you could get better at. So a little bit of positive reinforcement, sandwich a little bit of negativity, but we are going to positive uh, in positively at the end. Is you probably want to protect the ball a little better. They're not great at that. They do have a lot of turnovers. They're one of the the uh, the leaders in the conference in turnovers. But like I said, we're going to sandwich it. They're able to make up for it by also forcing a lot of turnovers. They're one of the leaders in forced turnovers as well. So it goes hand in hand. But you would like to decrease the amount of turnovers that you're giving up. Because if you protect the ball a little bit, you're great with your field goal percentage. So that could add an easy couple of points, a couple of buckets onto your score and onto your averages per game. So that's something that I would like to see them clean up. But if they continue taking the ball away, it kind of balances out just a little bit, just a little bit, not completely, but just a little bit. So that's something that they do extremely well. But overall, four games into the CAA season. This team hasn't just been good. This team hasn't just been successful. North Carolina A&T women's basketball has been absolutely dominant in their debut in the Colonial Athletic Association. So we'll see what they can do going forward. But we're going to switch gears. We're going to move within the state. And we're going to go to North Carolina Central and talk about their football team because we don't talk about how much they've succeeded and how highly they rank nationally. I think that's something that we need to talk about before we move on to next season and go into draft season completely. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Shout out to all my segment three folks. North Carolina Central has finished with their best finish in school history, according to two polls. You look at North Carolina Central, the Eagles, they're top 25 in both the AFCA in which they rank 17 and then also the stats perform poll in which they rank 21st. And I think we've done a good job breaking down what North Carolina Central has done within the HBCU sphere. I think we've done a good job talking about that. But I don't know if I've done a, a, a really good job touching on where they rank nationally. And now we finally have a full scale view of it. And I think what more appropriate time to do it than now, because the FCS championship has been played. Terrible scheduling. I'm not going to talk about that, but terrible scheduling. Um, but it's over now. So the season is done and we have our final poll. And the final poll says that the Eagles are either 17th best team in the country or 21st best team in the country, depending on who you subscribe to. But either way. They are top 25, and this is one of the few times that they actually have finished top 25 since moving up to the FCS level. And having these conversations about HBCUs versus the nation is always kind of funny to me. It's always something that brings me a little bit of a laugh because often it's because playoffs versus the Celebration Bowl. Yeah, okay. You have some people who just want to stay in the sphere and stay in that HBCU landscape, talk about money, talk about, you know, just maybe it's just not relevant to them to be a part of that. But the Celebration Bowl is relevant, and I get it. And you have other people who want to go play those games. Other people who want to take on 
the uh the the teams that are in the playoffs and show this that and third you know they have a point to prove so it's, it's it's funny when that's the case sometimes you have the conversation when it's about rankings where do you rank nationally i, I would have thought that jackson state being ranked so high would have been a bigger story to watch as the season progressed but Deion sanders said you know what that doesn't matter it's irrelevant so now once you question it from a relevant standpoint why are we even talking about it not even question it you denounce it you tell me that does not matter so once you tell me it doesn't matter even though you continue to move higher and higher and it is impressive it no longer is a talking point because your coach the leader of your team said we don't give an expletive that's why so that's not a talking point anymore. I'm not going to allow that to be the same case with North Carolina Central. See, all the hoopla from their opponent after the Celebration Bowl, that kind of led to them being swallowed up, kind of led to their shine being a little bit dimmer. But not here. Not here. We know what North Carolina Central is about. We know how good North Carolina Central has been this year. And I'm going to highlight it because the reason they were able to finish top 25 is because they knocked off two top 25 teams this year. They had only their third 10-win season since moving up to the FCS subdivision. Those are things that should be highlighted. Those are things that should be acknowledged. Davius Richard is one of the most explosive threats in college football this year. I don't care who you're talking about. They knocked off Jackson State, who was number five. They knocked off New Hampshire, who was 25. This is at the time of them playing. So, yeah, I think they deserve to be a top 25 team. I think they deserve to be talked about nationally. You know, I know a lot of times we stay in our bubble, but HBCUs are a part of the nation. We know that, but sometimes it's not treated as such. So the real good team sometimes don't get that love. You know, I think about North Carolina A&T and they got it, man. They, <laughs> they got the love. And I want to see more teams get acknowledged. North Carolina Central, you had a year. You knocked off New Hampshire, you knocked off Jackson State. You had great games against them. You had really highlighted highlight performances in those games. Now, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball because it's going to be everything you need around the sport all in one place. It's kind of like this, but not a conference, instead just a sport. So go ahead and check that out. It's great content. You can get it wherever you listen to your podcast. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about FAMU and their recruiting class because I got a couple of things that I kind of want to, I want to see what you think when it comes to specialists in the HBCU realm. So Make sure you guys tap into that and continue making us your first listen of the day every single day. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.